Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I am super excited today to introduce to you my special guest, Carlotta Nelson. Carlotta is half Swedish, half Argentine, and born in Japan. She is a Madrid-based screenwriter and director specializing in cross-media social impact documentaries, art house biographies, as well as science and educational films. A member of the Academy of Cinematography, Arts and Sciences of Spain, Carlotta is a highly experienced bilingual storyteller whose documentary work has spanned global social and cultural topics, including art and apartheid in South Africa, censorship in Kuala Lumpur, and recidivism in American women's prisons. She is also the researcher, writer, director, and promoter of the groundbreaking feature documentary, Brain Matters, a film that explores the science of early childhood, which has become a reference within the global scientific and educational communities. I am so excited that you're here today, Carlotta. Welcome. And it's an honor to begin to talk about these things on this podcast episode with our listeners. Thank you very much, Sue, for having me and, and, for, and for supporting um, our work. Well, your work is vital, and so let's, let's dive into your work and talk a little bit about raising children in the early years. I know in the documentary, which I am super supportive of and uh, have seen more than once, you talk about the use of intentional language, and I wondered if you could shed some light for our listeners on the importance of the language and the intentionality of it in these early years for children. Of course, um, thank you for asking me that question. Well, uh, what a child experiences um, directly affects their brain. Um, and if we think about the fact that we are our brains, like David Fitzpatrick from the Max Planck Institute of Neuroscience says in the film, we, we really have to pay attention to these experiences. Um, because parents and caregivers are really um, the children's first uh, brain designer. Uh, everything that, that you know, we are gets played out in front of our children. And the brains absorb that information and lock into it and build um, an architecture uh, that not only gets them through infancy and childhood, but it takes um, it into their lives, puts them through school and prepares them for jobs, you know, as well as creative and imaginative work, imaginative work of their own. So everyday situations and these experiences um, should include intentional language. Um, so when, when we speak about uh, language and the importance of narrating to our children, um, we should really try to make that language rich and varied and use synonyms. Um, you know, it's okay to, to use baby talk sometimes, but, but we should be sure to use the adult word too. Um, for example, uh, it's, 
you can say it's time for din din, um, but it, it's also good to say we will have dinner now. Um, so, so the the baby's brain is like is like a computer, right? And it's focusing on those those sounds and 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 the statistics that they gather when they listen to us talk, and they're using that to form a network in the brain. Um, so, so parents should really know that their babies are actually ready to acquire words, um, and um, and something also very important is that uh, you know parents should know that that um, what they should do with their infants when they're first born is crucial. So, if they haven't grown up in a household without a lot of verbal communication. Um, they aren't aware that they should be talking and interacting with their children. And that's what scientists call the 30 million word gap. So children, by the time they are three, have been exposed to that many fewer words. And so awareness of that, parents knowing the importance of talking and singing and rhyming with their children um, and exposing them to language. Can I interrupt here and just ask you to talk a little bit more about the 30 uh, million word gap? Can you explain a little bit more about that? Because I think that's really important in these early years to, to if our listeners and, you know, for the world at large to understand how crucial this is. Of course. Um, so the main problem um, in the world today is that children, when they get to school, uh, there's 250 million children that get to school and they're already on a back foot when they begin. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, uh, the lack of language and interaction with their parents. So um, what the scientists refer to um, with the study of the 30 million word gap is in comparison to um, moderate and high income peers they may have in school, um, if they've been exposed uh, to to few words, then they're already on a back foot when they start school. And just imagine what that does to um, to their social skills and the way they think of themselves. That's awesome. Yeah. And and so important. So let's let's talk a little bit about the kinds of conversations and kinds of statements, discussions in everyday life. Would you mind sharing some beautiful examples, I know you can, of ways, you know, from morning till evening that we can actually use language and use rich language in having these, you know, kinds of quote-unquote conversations and word um, sharing you know, to help our, our children's uh, network in their brains, as you described it. Of course. And uh, well, so something I wanted to say before, before I go into examples is um, Patricia Kuhl from the University of, of Washington um, did a study, a uh, pretty fascinating study. And um, the amount of words um, that babies hear from face-to-face -face interactions with their child helps determine the amount of words that child will speak at two. 
So just knowing that fact is, is fascinating and it's, and it's a real call to action. And to give you some examples, um, you know, and in, in from birth to two years, you look at your baby when, when they make sounds, talk back to them and, and, and repeat uh, those sounds. Respond when your baby laughs. Um, talk to your baby as you give them uh, a bath or feed or dress them. Um, talk about what you're doing or where you're going. Uh, you can point out colors and shapes, count what you see, and, and read to your child. You don't have to read every word, but you can talk about the pictures and ask your child, what's this? And try to get them to point or name objects. Um, other examples could be, um, you know, ask questions that include a choice. Do you want an apple or an orange? Right? Or do you want to wear your, your, your pink shirt or your red shirt? Uh, you can also help your child learn new words, name body parts. And, and, and singing is also very important. Um, you know, nursery rhymes and, and, and everything that you can do with your child that involves synchronicity, for example. It's been um, proved that all of these um, acts of synchronicity actually uh, help your child become cooperative and, gener and generous later on. Talk a little bit more about, if you don't mind, I'm just trying to think through the synchronicity. What, what exactly do you mean by, um, by the synchronicity helping our children later on? Can you kind of tie that together a little more specifically for us? Sure, of course. Um, well, for example, when you're walking with your child um, down the street or in the park and you hold hands and you're just waving your hands right back and forth, um, clapping games, um, singing, all of these, you know, music also obviously in play are, are so important when you speak to children. Um, but all of these acts of synchronicity um, help uh, children um, be more cooperative um, and, and, and generous and learn how to take turns. What, how would you describe modeling? as well when it comes to you know synchronicity and it comes to teaching i'm just going to throw that in there i know it's a little uh out of alignment with language but how important is a parent's modeling in these scenarios which teach our child you know all sorts of things that help them in their life and their adult years of course well um you know everything everything uh we 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 are um gets played out in front of our children um so if we want to be um if we want our children to be generous um and critical thinkers and helpful we we have to we have to be that um in in front of them and um and and, and try to model that behavior and, and everyday situations are, are wonderful opportunities to engage children, um, you know, in things, very important things like eye contact and being present with them and have meaningful and conscious interactions. Um, another, another fascinating um, study from the Institute of Learning and Brain Sciences um, says that the baby brain actually needs human face-to-face -face interactions. Um, you know, humans were not built to interact with machines. 
that's not how we were designed or how how we evolved in fact we survive as a species because we've learned to collaborate and cooperate and communicate I have always heard that we're wired as human beings to be connected, to connect. And by connecting, it's not to a device, it's to other human beings, right? Exactly. <laughs> Too many exactly. devices in our world. Yes, yes. So and, do you... Uh, yes, go ahead. No, go. Um, I, I wanted to, because in the, in the film, we, we didn't get a chance to, to, um, to talk about uh, bilingualism. Mm. And uh, in America, um, I know that Spanish is um, one of the, the most important languages aside from English. And I think a lot of parents um, believe that if uh, you're speaking to children in different languages, they'll take longer to speak or it will just confuse them. And... Um, and actually, at, at 11 months old, a baby's brain is prepared to learn whatever language um, it, 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 uh, they're exposed to or a combination of languages. So a baby brain is perfectly capable of learning two languages at the same time. And, and actually, it's interesting that, that in studies at the University of Washington, um, they did studies with monolingual and bilingual groups. And the bilingual group actually had stronger responses to language sound in, in these prefrontal areas. Um, and we know that prefrontal regions are involved with, with the ability to control attention, shift back and forth between different tasks, and think flexibly. Um, and the other important advantage um, is that these cognitive abilities uh, in, increase later uh, and translate into protective factors from Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So that's, that's uh, I'll, I'll leave you with that, that fascinating fact from the, um, the Institute of Brain Sciences in, at the University of Washington. Wow, that's, that's an enormous um, and, and beautiful gift we could give ourselves and our children, of course. Um, I, I love how you shared, you know, that at 11 months old, um, an 11 month old baby, that their brains can actually learn a combination of languages. I'm always so impressed when I see children whose parents may be bilingual, um, learning, you know, multiple languages and able to hear in one language and answer in a different language and how there, it seems as if, and correct me if I'm wrong, that their brain is actually able to think in both languages. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, in these studies that were done at the University of Washington, um, they actually proved that um, children are able to differentiate what adult, um, uh, the language that the adult they're interacting with speaks. So if that baby is bilingual in Spanish and English, for example, if they know that the, uh, the adult they're speaking with does not know Spanish, then, then the child um, will, will speak English. Mm. Wow, that's awesome. Our, it's so interesting because when I was a child, I don't believe, from my recollection, that we were as aware, you know, or the adults in our lives were as aware of the importance of language and languages and 
the, you know, the infant's brain to the extent that we are today and that you're bringing out to so many worldwide in this beautiful documentary. Would you say yes, a lot has changed I, with that and understanding? Well, I, I think that, uh, I mean, we, we haven't uh, invented anything. Um, we, we've just um, put together decades and decades of work um, from this, this global army of early childhood development researchers and scientists and educators um, with, with, with the latest neuroscience. Um, I think that a lot of, um, you know, parents um, and educators intuitively knew from reading about psychology and biology and education and, and, and early childhood development, they, they knew it was important to speak to, to children, they knew it was important to play, um, but, they, but they didn't have the science um, behind it. So that's what we've tried to do um, is, is, is share this information with, with, with everyone. And you're doing it beautifully. And I think for many people, the science behind these types of things is really important to understand how to bring it to life in, in the best way. So, you know, science really can speak loudly and speak volumes to many people in this world. Yes, and, and I think, Sue, that um, it's very important for people to, to know that this um, isn't an ideology, it's not a trend, it's not a fashion, it's not about religion or politics, it's science. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you, know, you know, business leaders and politicians, as well as parents and grandparents and educators, Ought to be very interested in what happens in, in these in these first years of life because that's when children are in the family uh, because then you know we kind of give up our children to the schools in a sense and so everything we can do at this you know critical time um, what Stephen in in his interview with you um, called the the miracle years you know that those gold the golden opportunity we we, we are the baby's brain's first designers. Yeah, I love how you put that. So as the first designers, I'm going to I'm going to lead us into a different realm but directly related of course. As the baby's first designers, how important is the idea of and the arena of play and play inside and out? Can you shed some light on that for us? Oh, sure. I would love to. Well, there's so many um, experts and, and high quality programs um, and, and models on play in the world. Um, uh, Tools of the Mind is one example. Um, and Kathy Hirsch-Pasek from the Temple um, Infant Lab um, are doing incredible work. Um, they've studied play for decades. Um, so, so basically when kids play, um, they are learning to learn. So it's not a question of, I, I think some people um, think that the, the baby brain is kind of like an empty vessel that you just have to, you know, put things in. Um, and so it's not a question of getting these babies and young infants to count and to, um, you know, learn math. 
um, what they need to do is play because when they play, they're learning to learn. When they're, when they're you know, using or playing with blocks, they're starting to learn the concept of up and down and inside and out and left and right. So with the blocks, Carlotta, and the learning that takes place, I, I can certainly um, understand how important it is for the brain to learn to learn and to have the ability to actually connect with items and things in front of them as a way to, to perhaps engage all their senses <clears throat> as well as see things and feel things and move things and see the um, cause and effect, so to speak, at a very young age. Like with blocks, you pile up blocks and they fall over, cause and effect. Is that part of the learning process as well that you're referring to? Um, absolutely, it is. It is um, because aside from learning these spatial concepts, they're 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 learning these cause and effects, and 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 in terms of play, uh, what scientists have 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 told me and have shared uh, with me is that um, intentional guided play um, led by you know, adults and, and caregivers is very important. Um, you know, when you play dress up or um, you know, pretend to be me or you know, this guided play, um, that's um, just as important as free play. Letting kids, children um, work things out on their own and and play with whatever they they want to play, and it's not about not a question of money or toys. You know, um, you can play with pots and pans. You can play uh, when you're cooking. Um, so kids, when they're engaging in these play activities, whether they're um, intentional and guided or free play, um, the science proves that that they're doing well. They're going to do well in terms of their math and their reading. And, and acquiring the kind of skills that, that we want to see in children. Um, and also, I, I'd like to add that letting children deal with boredom is also very important. Um, letting children even deal with stressful circumstances. Um, and I'm not speaking about toxic stress, I'm speaking about not, not doing everything for them, letting them figure things out on their own. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because boredom in my eyes and, and, you know, in my teachings worldwide is a gift for children. They don't need every moment filled with constructive activities or organized play. They need to learn how to be creative. And if they don't have any space in their day, in their, in their time, in their life, how can they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I agree as well with, well, of course I agree. Um, you're the expert. But um, I think the importance of being able to figure things out on their own with another child at a very young age, you know, obviously with some guidance if it starts to become, you know, a little bit ugly, but to be able to solve basic problems, to be able to try to get a toy and us not going to get it, but letting a child who's born intrinsically motivated continue with that motivation, correct? By moving forward to the toy. If they're crawling, sometimes you can see a parent handing the child the toy. But what if we allow the child to go for the toy when they get there? 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. We have to take a little bit of a step back sometimes and let them figure things out on their own. And and parents will will see the the incredible results from doing from from letting um, children um, do what they want to do at, at, at times. Right. And, and, and obviously we, that goes back to modeling behavior, right? Um, they also have to see you, um, at times when maybe you're bored, um, and, 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 and so you pick up a book or, or, or you play a board game or you write a letter, right? They, they, they need to see the adult. Uh, that behavior in the adults so so they can learn that too yeah it's beautiful as models for our children they watch everything we do and everything we say when i was a kid my parents used to say do as we say not as we do i don't know <laughs> if, if you've ever heard that uh statement but uh, that was popular in my home and nothing against my parents that was the time in today's world they're doing as we're doing and they're watching every move we make even when we don't think they're watching exactly um al race from the center on the developing child at harvard um uh told me uh something very very interesting he said you know a lot of people think that um children are just born resilient when they are and that is not accurate uh scientifically um he says that um uh, for a child to be and later an adult to be resilient he or she has to have seen um, um, a model at home or 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 through a caregiver um, to be resilient to learn how to be resilient mm -hmm. yeah they have to have opportunity to experience and practice these skills for sure exactly That's beautiful well, you are such a rich uh, source of incredible information and just a delight to, to join me here on my uh, podcast episode. I would love for you to share where people can find out more about you, the documentary, how to support Brain Matters, and anything else that you'd love to share to help our listeners just move forward in raising these beautiful children, our next generation. Of course, and, and thank you for giving me the, the opportunity to do so. Uh, we encourage people to visit our website, and that's brainmattersfilm.com. It's a bilingual website, and it's full of resources. Um, you know, what we've done throughout um, all of the research that we've done and putting the film together, we've compiled the best parenting um, and educational resources that are free and available on our website. We encourage people to host a screening um, in their neighborhood or community center. Um, you know, we, we send them a high quality downloadable link with all of these wonderful materials that we've put together, including a discussion guide and, um, and customizable materials like the poster that they can um, add their information on. Um, we encourage also uh, people to watch and, and share the film, as well as sign our petition to global leaders, uh, because parents, you know, have the most um, important job in the world, parents and educators. Mm -hmm. And to do it well, um, they need help. Uh, they need help and support and services. 
Um, so the petition that we've created on change.org, um, you know, we want to encourage global leaders to keep their promises and, and really start designing and implementing, you know, family-friendly policies. So if um, your listeners can, can join and sign and share the petition, um, you know, they'll be helping us create a better world for, for all children. I love it. And I will certainly um, add all of these uh, links so that our listeners can easily navigate from one to the other. Um, because I, you know, I obviously have seen all your sites and know how important the work that you're doing in this world is. And I support you more than 100%. So thank you for everything that you do each and every day to, to make this a better world for our children. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. And thank you for the important work you do. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for conscious connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.